world events, the state of society warns us that we live in a fearful time. A crisis is fast approaching. The rapidly swelling figures show that the time for God's visitation has about come. Although loath to punish, nevertheless he will punish, and that speedily. The arm strong to save is also strong to punish. Isaiah 13.11 I will punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. The limit of God's patience has nearly been reached. But because he is long-suffering of great mercy and not willing that any should perish, he has delayed his punishment that all may come to repentance. In his righteousness, God gives ample warning of his coming judgments that evildoers may turn from their ways and live. But because he manifests long forbearance, many conclude that they will not be punished and ignoring his warnings become emboldened in transgression. Ecclesiastes 8.11 Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. Warnings of coming judgment is today dismissed as nothing more than fear-mongering. The fear of God has been abolished from the souls of men. Some abolish God altogether by denying his existence. Others theologically strip him of any reason to be feared and turn him into a toothless tiger. All these will soon have cause to regret because God, who is strong in power, cannot in love and justice permit sin and evil to continue unchecked. Proverbs 14:16 A wise man fears and departs from evil, but the fool feels secure and is careless. In plain view of the flaming sword in the hands of the cherubims at Eden's gate, and in spite of Enoch's vivid warnings, the antediluvians put away the fear of God until he was forced to wipe them from off the earth. Then, in plain view of the results of that flood, and unable to deny that God had punished the world for its iniquity, Noah's descendants tried to again abolish the fear of God by building a tower to escape his punishments. Seeing their plans scattered and realising that they could not materially escape God, they turned to abolishing the fear of God by theological means. They created another God to save them from having to fear Jehovah. The Canaanite version of this story was that the father of the gods called El had chosen the overly severe and fearsome ruler of the deep called Yam to reign over all of heaven and earth. This upset Baal, the sun god, who refused to submit to Yam's authority and defeated him to become the undisputed lord of heaven and earth and the benefactor of mankind. Baal was associated with harvests, thunder, joy, fertility and prosperity. Unlike Yam, Baal was considered a kind, loving God who lived to bless his worshippers and to save them from Yam's power. 
In this story we see the anatomy of a lie, a twisted half-truth, told so as to favour Baal. Yam and Baal are representations of Christ and Lucifer. Yam is Christ robbed of his long-suffering mercy. Baal is Lucifer bestowed with goodness and love. Christ is supposedly evil because for the good of his creatures he does not tolerate sin. Lucifer is supposedly loving because he tolerates sin even though it causes suffering to men. Lucifer refused to submit to Christ's authority and promised to protect and save all those who followed him from God's punishment. When Adam fell, Lucifer became the undisputed prince of this world. The first lie deceived Eve that God would not punish her disobedience. The final lie will deceive the world that God does not punish those that worship him. Putting himself in the place of God, Baal claims that as long as you worship him, you will escape punishment. The final delusion will be to worship Baal while thinking you are worshipping the true God. The final deception is not what day is the Sabbath or which church has the truth. The whole world will know the truth. No one will be deceived about that. You see, Baal does not care how, when or where you worship as long as you do not fear God because all those that worship God without fear are worshipping Baal. David, the prophet, tells us in Psalms 89.7, God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints, not the wicked, and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. That word fear in Hebrew, arats, means dread. That word translated reverence means to frighten. Jehovah is to be feared by his saints because he is an exacting God who requires perfect obedience and does not tolerate or overlook the mistakes of those who worship him. He expelled Adam from his Eden home and cursed the earth for eating the wrong snack. He rejected Cain for offering the wrong sacrifice. He banned Moses from entering Canaan for losing his patience. He cursed all of Israel and 36 men died because of Achan's selfishness. He slew Uzzah because he put forth his hand to stabilise the ark. He destroyed 7,000 of Israel because of David's folly in numbering his people. He slew his own prophet because he stopped to have something to eat on his way home after rebuking Jeroboam. He struck down Ananias and Sapphira for keeping back a small portion of what they had promised. Jehovah is a God to be feared. Jeremiah 9.25 Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. Selected Messages, Volume 1373. Let no one take up with the delusion so pleasant to the natural heart that God will accept of sincerity no matter what may be the faith, no matter how imperfect may be the life. God requires of his child perfect obedience. 
Not only does Jehovah punish the mistakes of his worshippers, but he afflicts those who have not made mistakes. He tries them in the fire, in the furnace of affliction. He hews them by the words of his mouth, Isaiah 6, 5. He puts them to the grinding wheel of adversity. He purges them with hyssop as gold and silver to take away their dross. Hebrews 12, 6-8. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and scourges every son whom he receiveth. If you endure chastening, God dealeth with your sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastening, whereof all are partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Psalms 2, 11-12 Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. On the other hand, Baal was a god that the Canaanites could love, who saved them from the fear of Yam. His worshippers come before him without fear, self-assured, Self-confident, self-satisfied. His worship is pleasing to them. Baal gives them comfort. That in spite of their imperfections, he will save them from condemnation. They imitate Baal's tolerance for each other's sins. He promises them peace and safety and encourages them to come before him in confident assurance. They feel secure in his kindness and care. They are sure he accepts their worship. And that because of it, they will reap his bountiful blessings. It is not that Baal never gets angry, but he only does so with those who do not worship him. The worship of Baal is the exact opposite of that of Jehovah. Because God does not bring his worshippers assurance. They do not come before him in confident satisfaction. They come before him in humility, with a broken heart in the realisation of their own spiritual poverty, that they are unfaithful, unprofitable servants that fall far short of the holiness of God. He does not bring them peace with themselves, but a sharp sword that divides asunder the soul and the spirit, that sets man at variance with his own household and within himself. A lifelong war within themselves, fearing lest their self-assurance and pride reassert themselves God requires his worshippers to boldly come before him in fear and trembling boldly because of his mercy but in fear because of the deceitfulness and desperate wickedness of their own heart he requires them to fear lest their inherent presumption and self confidence lead them in a way that seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death Proverbs 16.25 To fear lest their complacency and self-sufficiency become a stumbling block to their own souls because God, who is no respecter of persons, will punish all those who do evil, whether they worship him or not. Hebrews 4.1 Let us therefore fear, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest any of you should seem to come short of it. Philippians 2.12 Wherefore, my beloved, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, 
First Peter 1.17 And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work pass your time of your sojourning here in fear beholding the devastation of Egypt the miraculous crossing of the Red Sea and the Jordan the Canaanites were convinced that Israel's Jehovah was none other than the fearful God they called Yam. They knew that Jehovah was the rightful ruler of heaven and earth and were terrified because they worshipped Baal, his great adversary. First Chronicles 16.25 For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and he is also to be feared above all gods. Malachi 1.14 For I am a great king, saith the Lord of hosts, and my name is dreadful among the heathen. God ordered Israel to drive the Canaanites out of the land and leave none of them behind because their Baal worship would lead the children of Israel astray. While there were differences in the external forms of worship, the theological claims of both Baal and Jehovah were strikingly similar and the two would be readily confused. Both claimed to be the Lord of heaven and earth. Both claimed to protect their people from evil. Both claimed to give rain in due season and to bless them with the gifts of heaven. The only real difference between Baal and Jehovah was character. Jehovah was severe, punishing mistakes without discrimination and forgiving only those that repented. While Baal was tolerant, overlooking the mistakes of those who worship him and forgiving all who wanted forgiveness without any conditions whatsoever. Jehovah made them fear, but Baal made them feel secure. Psalm 76.7 Thou, even thou art to be feared, and who may stand in thy sight when once thou art angry? Now Jehovah knew that Israel would not intentionally turn to Baal worship but he also knew that they would not wish to constantly retain the fear of God before their eyes and would gradually be deceived into exchanging him for Baal. This is why the Canaanites would be a snare unto them. As we read in Deuteronomy 7, 4-5, For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. But thus shall ye deal with them, you shall destroy their altars and break down the images and cut down their groves and burn their graven images with fire. Sadly, the Israelites did not fully obey God and mingled with the Canaanites that remained in the land, which led them to worship Baal. They gradually lost the fear of God and by the time of Elijah, Baal had completely displaced Jehovah in Israel. God had to bring fire down from heaven to restore the fear of the Lord among his people and slay the 450 priests of Baal. Yet even then, Baal worship was not completely eradicated and not long afterwards, they again forgot the fear of the Lord and returned to the worship of Baal. God had warned them in 2 Chronicles 7, 19-20, but if ye turn away and shall go and serve other gods and worship them, then I will pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them. And this house 
which I have sanctified for my name, will I cast out of my sight and will make it a mere proverb and a byword among all nations. But Israel rejected God's warning as not applying to them and was destroyed. This should have been a warning to Judah and Jerusalem. But instead, about 300 years later, we find the women of Jerusalem weeping for Tammuz. Who was Tammuz? Tammuz is a Babylonian counterpart to Baal. His name had changed, but he was still the same tolerant, loving Baal that lived to bless his worshippers and save them from condemnation. Why were they weeping for Tammuz or Baal? Because Baal was the God who died and rose again to bring life to his people. Even though God had warned them that he was not like Baal and would punish them for their idolatry, Judah also confused Baal for Jehovah. Isaiah 12.2 The Lord hath also a controversy with Judah and will punish Jacob according to his ways, according to his doings will he recompense him. Jeremiah 5, 20, 22, Declare this in the house of Jacob and publish it in Judah, saying, Hear now this, O ye foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. Will ye not tremble at my presence? Zephaniah 1, 12, And it shall come to pass at that time that I will search Jerusalem with candles and will punish the men that say in their heart, the Lord will not do good, and neither will he do evil. Jeremiah seven twelve and 14 to 15, But go ye now unto my place in Shiloh, where I set my name at first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. Therefore I will do unto this house, which is called by my name, wherein ye trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and your fathers, and I will cast you out of my sight, as I have cast out all of your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. It seems Baal worship is not only highly infectious, but also an incurable affliction. Not only was God forced to cast Israel out of his sight, as he had cast out the Canaanites before them. But not long after, Judah and Jerusalem were also cast out of the land. Now in order for God's word to be fulfilled, a small remnant returned back from captivity. It is said that those who returned had learned their lesson and were cured from worshipping Baal, at least in its external forms. But while they avoided idols and no longer called upon the name of Baal, yet it does not appear that they had learned to fear God. The times had changed. And even the Gentiles now cared less about the forms of worship and more about the intellectual acceptance of their theological ideas. The concept of a God whose worshippers did not need to fear lived on, not in name but in substance, and again took firm hold upon the Jews. Throughout the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, God draws a stark distinction between the Jews who feared him and those who feared him not. By the time of Christ, the self-confident Jews had lost all fear of the day of the Lord's visitation. They looked for him to come to greatly bless them and punish the heathen. Without realising it, they were again worshipping Baal while thinking they worshipped Jehovah. Jesus himself declared that their father was not Jehovah, but the devil. 
It did not matter to Baal by what name they worshipped him, or what day they worshipped him on, or if they kept the law, as long as they did not fear God's punishment. They would not believe Christ's warning that God would punish them and destroy their temple. Without the fear of God, they said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance shall be ours. They were so sure that God would not punish them that they cried out for his blood to be upon them and their children. Again, they were spewed out of the land like their fathers and all the others that had worshipped Baal before them. How confused and surprised they were when they saw God's wrath poured out upon them while his mercy extended to the Gentiles. Christ again saved a small remnant to preserve the fear of God and establish a new church. The danger was now that the Gentile converts would confuse Christ with Baal, who also, as we've mentioned, supposedly died and rose again to save his people. Christ showed them not in word, but in deed, that he was not at all like Baal, but was a God to be feared. We read that after Pentecost, God slew Ananias and Sapphira because they did not fear him. And Acts 5.11 says, And a great fear came upon all the church, upon as many as heard these things. And some years later, the frightful destruction of Jerusalem brought great fear upon the church. It was read in Romans 11, 22 and 20. Behold, behold, therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but towards thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness. Otherwise thou also shall be cut off. Therefore be not high-minded, but fear. With the fear of God firmly engraved in their minds and wanting to avoid confusing the character of God with Baal, the church swung to the other extreme and likened God to Baal's nemesis, the unmerciful, impetuous yam. To justify its own tyranny, the church of Rome further misrepresented God as being arbitrary, abrupt, who did not care for extenuating circumstances. For over a thousand years, Mystery Babylon used this terrifying portrayal of God to maintain control over the nations. When Europe finally escaped the grip of the Church of Rome, they also threw off its terrifying God. The daughters of Mystery Babylon then lurched from one extreme to the other and return to the worship of God that inspires no fear. Throwing off the worship of Yam, they return to the worship of Baal. Great Controversy 583. Though in a different form, idolatry exists in the Christian world today as verily as it existed among ancient Israel in the days of Elijah, the God of many professedly wise men, is little better than Baal. When Christ arose from the holy place at the end of the 2,300 years to minister to the, in the Holy of Holies, only a small company of those who worshipped him arose with him in their hearts and followed him there. The majority remained behind, unaware that Christ had moved on. These looked to the holy place and prayed, Father, give us thy spirit. But Baal now stood 
where Christ had been and taking his place, breathed upon them his unholy influence. Today's popular God is no longer called Baal or Tammuz, but Jesus Christ. He is the same Lord of heaven and earth who died, a ro- died and rose again to bless and save mankind from all punishment. The name and ceremonies by which he is worshipped are not important, just his character. The chief attribute of this Christ is a weak sentimentalism called love that makes little distinction between good and evil, right and wrong. God's justice, his denunciations of sin, his holy requirements are all kept out of sight. A God who indulges all who worship him with unmerited favour. A God whose grace is a cloak to cover all forms of iniquity. A God who is a nice guy. He's lenient. He's non-judgmental. He's easy to please. A God who overlooks the faults of those who worship him, promising to clear them of their guilt and save them from the consequence of their sins. A new age but ancient God who commands confidence instead of fear of those who worship him. Yet the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 28-29, Serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for our God is a consuming fire. The churches of today do not worship him who requires now of us what he required of Adam, perfect obedience, righteousness without a flaw, without shortcomings in his sight. Second Selected Messages 3.18 They do not worship him who will by no means clear the guilty and who is wetting his sword and making ready to come with the hosts of heaven to execute judgment upon all, but especially to reveal his wrath against all those who hold the truth in unrighteousness. As Paul tells us, No, they do not worship him that as saith, vengeance belongeth to me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Hebrews 10.30 God is weary of those who profane his holy name while they worship Baal. He is weary of those that trust in Baal's salvation, presuming they are trusting in him. He is weary of those who think his mercy is a cloak that covers their iniquity. He is weary of those who call themselves Christians while they reflect the character of Baal. He is weary of the claim that he delights in sinners and saves the guilty if they but worship him. Malachi 2.17 You have wearied the Lord with your words, yet you say... Wherein have we wearied him? When ye say, everyone that doeth evil is good, are accepted in the sight of the Lord, and he delighteth in him. Where is the God of judgment? He will not accept their vain worship. He hates it. He says in Amos 5.21-23, I hate, I despise your feast days. I will not smell in your solemn assemblies. Though ye offer me burnt offerings and meat offerings, I will not accept them. Neither will I regard the peace offerings of your fat beasts. Take thou away from me the noise of thy songs. 
for I'll not hear the melody of the vials. While Baal wants your worship, adoration and praise, Christ does not desire your worship, but justice and righteousness. Not praises, but repentance. Not adoration, but godly fear. Psalms 147.11 The Lord taketh pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. Isaiah 66.2 To this man will I look, to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and that trembleth at my word. It was only the name of Christ that the modern Baal has usurped. The imposture would be easy to detect. But he's too smart for that. Today, as Isaiah 29, 13 tells us, we draw near to God with our mouths and with our lips to honour him and show much love, yet our hearts are far from him and our fear towards God has been dismissed by the teachings of men. The priests of Baal have subtly changed the meaning of all the key words the Bible uses to describe the gospel. When Christians talk about Christ, not only are they often, without realising it, talking about Baal, but when they talk about the gospel, they're talking about the gospel of Baal. Consider some words. Grace. Grace used to mean God's divine influence upon the heart and mind. Baal has changed it to mean unmerited favour. What's the difference? God's grace is a tool we must use to gain the victory over sin and self. Baal's grace is a get-into-heaven-for-free card without any need for gaining any victories whatsoever. One is like someone giving me a racing car with which to win a race. The other is like someone giving me the first prize in the Grand Prix even though I don't own a car and I don't know how to drive. Salvation. Salvation used to mean to overcome oneself so as to be saved from sin and as a result to enter heaven. Baal has redefined this to mean to be saved from the punishment of sin without the need to overcome sin or self. Conversion used to mean the transformation of the soul by the process of surrendering oneself to God. Baal has redefined this to mean deciding to believe and be baptised as a way of selfishly avoiding the lake of fire. Faith. Faith used to mean diligently seeking God with all our heart and craving for his help in a continual recognition of our own weaknesses. Baal has redefined this to mean a mental assent to certain beliefs by which we think to offset our cherished sins. One is based on a fear of and a deep distrust of self. The other is based on self-assurance and self-confidence. Repentance. Repentance used to mean a continual despising of and turning away from our carnal self with its lusts, its pride and selfishness, and a constant pleading with God to overcome ourselves. Baal has redefined this to mean remorse for the expected consequences of our sinful actions. One is the means by which we are forever dying to self. The other is the means by which we hope to save self from eternal death. Forgiveness. Forgiveness used to mean the act of temporarily setting aside the sins of those who repent, to open the way for sinners to commune with God so that through repentance, faith and grace they may overcome sin and be transformed into his image. Baal has redefined this to mean the act of unconditionally and forever turning a blind eye to sin 
Baal wants us to forgive ourselves and never truly repent and continue in sin. The first is God's way for eradicating sin. The other is Baal's way for perpetuating sin for all eternity. Works. The Bible tells us to do works of repentance in contrast to what it calls dead works or works of the law. Works of repentance are the result of humility born of a deep distrust of ourselves. In contrast, Baal wants us to do works of the law self-confidently as did the Jews. The first works are evidence that one is dying to self. The other is justification that one has no need to die to self. Love. Love used to mean the principle of seeking the well-being of others irrespective of feelings. Love may involve unpleasantness such as exposing and punishing evil before others are harmed by it. Christ's denunciation of the scribes and Pharisees and the destruction of the antediluvian world were acts of love. Baal has redefined love to be a feel-good sentiment that is based on selfish indulgence. Sinners want to avoid justice for themselves so they avoid it for others. And this injustice is what today we call love. Fear. Fear is a distressing emotion or anxiety caused by anticipation of impending danger. Now we are told that it has a different meaning in a religious context. To reverence, to honour, to respect. Likewise, the word awe, from which we get the word awful, used to mean dread or terror. But now it means the opposite, to venerate or to wonder. Baal's gospel is that worshipping him eliminates any cause for you to fear his wrath. Baal says, do not fear that you are sinful and unholy. Those who worship me have escaped judgment and are set free from the consequences of sin. Baal's sacrifice is a warrant for self to avoid the lake of fire and live forever in glory. Baal's gospel soothes the conscience, leaving you assured and confident of your standing with God. Christ's gospel, on the other hand, is that he has made a way for those who fear him to escape his wrath. Christ says, you can, as I did, overcome sin in this life and being transformed into holiness be found righteous when you are judged Christ sacrifices an example of how self must die that God alone be glorified Christ's gospel awakens you to your constant need of Christ's help and drives you to be broken on the rock each day the God that is worshipped by and large in Christianity today, is a God who has removed all cause for fear, a God who will in no wise condemn those who worship him, even though they remain unholy and selfishly love the things of this world. Now the scripture says in 1 John 4, 1, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Can you discern between the spirits? The spirit of Christ leads us to fear to meet God as we presently are. He says to those who worship him, fear 
lest by retaining any part of self, I say to you in the last day, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. He leads men to plead with God each day to be fully transformed into his selfless image, leaving no part of self behind. On the other hand, the spirit of Baal leads us to put away the fear of meeting God in our pride, in our selfishness, in our self-assurance, in our self-righteousness. He says to those that worship him, do not fear yourself, but love yourself, forgive yourself, be kind to yourself, encourage yourself. He leads men to remain unholy as they are by thinking that all is well with their souls. While the Spirit of Christ leads men to abide in him, the Spirit of Baal leads men to abide in themselves. The Spirit of Christ says, Have mercy upon me, a sinner. The Spirit of Baal says, I thank God I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers. The Spirit of Christ says, I am poor and blind and naked. The Spirit of Baal says, I am rich and increased with goods and in need of nothing. The Spirit of Christ says, Come unto me, and ye shall find rest for your souls. The Spirit of Baal says, Rest assured, you have already come. Just don't leave. The Spirit of Christ says, I stand outside the door and knock. The Spirit of Baal says, I am already with you. There is no need to open the door. The Spirit of Christ leads us to fear our own soul as we see ourselves as we really are. The Spirit of Baal blinds man to any cause for fear. Now when Israel unwittingly exchanged the worship of Jehovah for Baal, it is not because they wanted a God that nobody feared. The Israelites very much wanted the heathen nations around them to fear their God. They didn't seem to realise that since they now all worshipped Baal, and only those who didn't worship Baal had any cause to fear, that there was no cause for anybody at all to fear. In fact, having rejected Jehovah, the only ones who had any cause to fear God's wrath were the Israelites themselves. But they had rejected the fear of him who alone is to be feared. Amos 3.2 Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Therefore I will punish you for all your iniquities. Now, we have been entrusted with the final warning message to the world of fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment is come. And we want all those who do not worship our God to fear the outpouring of his wrath. We think the warning to fear God is for others, but not for us, because he is coming to punish only those who don't worship him. But is the God we, re- we worship really any different from the one the other churches worship? Don't they also worship the Lord of heaven and earth, who died and rose again from the dead to save those who worship him? We may think that when, where or how you worship God is what determines who you worship. 
But setting aside our external forms of worship with its various dogmas and traditions, is the character of our Christ any different from theirs? If no different, then we are really worshipping the same God. If so, can we honestly expect the other churches to fear the God they already worship? The God that puts away all fear? Are we repeating the same mistake as the Jews? The Jews thought that it was Jehovah they worshipped in Jerusalem on the Sabbath, but in spite of their traditions they were really worshipping Baal. Are we also worshipping Baal under the name of Christ? Who do you really worship on the Sabbath day? Do you worship the judge of heaven and earth who is about to arise and punish those who worship him for their iniquity? Do you worship the God of David who said of him in Psalms 119, 119, Thou puttest away all the wicked of the earth like dross. My flesh trembleth for fear of thee, and I am afraid of thy judgments. Or do you worship a God who is to be reverenced but not feared? A God that does not kill one who is not judgmental. He tolerates the faults and iniquities of those who worship him. Who overlooks our intemperance, our love of pleasure, our pride, our worldliness. And because of his great love for those who profess his truth and worship him, will not reveal his wrath from heaven against them, even though they are unholy. If so, you are not worshipping Christ, but Baal. Are the ministers of Baal teaching in our churches? Is the worship of Baal practised in our midst? Are the praises of Baal heard at our gatherings? Do our people love to have it so? There are many within our church that boldly assert that we do indeed worship the same God as do the other churches. Testimonies Volume 1, 277 says, When I study the scriptures, I am alarmed for the Israel of God in these last days. They are exhorted to flee from idolatry. I fear that they are asleep and so conformed to the world that it would be difficult to discern between him that serves God and him that serves him not. The distance is widening between Christ and his people and lessening between them and the world. The marks of distinction between God, Christ, professed people and the world have almost disappeared. Like ancient Israel, they follow after the abominations of the nations around them. In the book of Revelation... Christ specifically warned that Baal worship would again arise in his church. He says in Revelation 2, 20-23, Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, who calleth herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication and eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. And I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the heart. And I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Jezebel, the illegitimate queen of Israel, employed 450 priests of Baal to mislead Israel into the worship of Baal and confuse him with Jehovah. 
How many today are employed that are teaching the doctrines of Baal in our midst? How many are seducing God's people to commit spiritual fornication with the gods of the surrounding churches? How many are confusing the words of life with the idolatrous theology of Baal? God calls Jezebel that religious institution to repent, but she will not. She has no fear of God. She sits as a queen, but God says, I will kill her children with death, and all the surrounding churches will know that I know who you really worship. You ought to fear that you have not been deceived by the priests of Baal in worshipping him in the place of the true Christ, as happened to Israel. Prophets and Kings 170, the apostasy prevailing today, is similar to that which in the prophet's day overspread Israel. Multitudes today are following after Baal. Many are substituting for the oracles of God the theories of men. The enemy of all truth is working with deceptive power to cause men and women to place human institutions where God should be. Is it possible that those who have had great light and knowledge could have, without realising it, been deceived into giving up the worship of the living God for a modern Baal called Christ and be completely unaware of it? Review and Herald, December 16, 1890. The multitude of deceptions that will prevail in these last days will encircle you. And you will change leaders and not know that you have done so. Testimonies, Volume 2, 441. Like ancient Israel, the church has dishonoured her God. Pride, the love of pleasure and sin have been cherished. And Christ has departed. His spirit has been quenched in the church. Satan works side by side with professed Christians. Yet they are so destitute of spiritual discernments that they do not detect him. Where is your fear? Where is your dread? Do you think like the Jews that because you worship God you have no cause to fear his wrath? Do you feel safe in God's blessings while looking forward to the outpouring of his wrath against the wicked? Do you imagine that God tolerates and overlooks your pride, your selfishness, your worldliness, your self-satisfaction, your love of pleasure and presume that you are in his good books? Testimonies, volume 5, when iniquity reaches the boundary of God's mercy, his forbearance will cease when the accumulated figures in heaven's record books shall mark the sum of transgression complete. Wrath will come, unmingled with mercy, and then it will be seen what a tremendous thing it is to have worn out the divine patience. Now, we talk about Satan's future impersonation of Christ. But what we don't realise is that he has already come in secret. He's among us today in spirit. And many among us worship him and pray to him. 
Those whose minds have been captivated by his assuring, elevating, comforting sentiments are completely unaware that they have embraced a false Christ and have already fallen prey to that strong delusion which was to come. Soon the whole world will see Baal openly come down from heaven in person and proclaim him to be the Christ. His presence will inspire not fear, but admiration and confidence. His words are full of praise and joy that will make you feel good about yourself. When we shall hear his voice, how many of us will recognise his lovely words as those of him whom we have believed and we have worshipped and trusted for his salvation? But when the living God returns, he comes to judge between those who worship him and those who worship Baal. As a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats, and he shall set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on the left. Trembling at his presence, the faces of the righteous will gather paleness, while those who have worshipped Baal will gather blackness. Then those who have worshipped Baal will cry, Lord, we have prophesied in thy name. And in thy name have cast out devils and fed the hungry and given water to the thirsty and took in the stranger and clothed the naked and visited the sick. And in thy name done many wonderful works. But Christ will say to them, I know you not. Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire. This is why God calls his people not to peace and assurance, but to fear and trembling to self-doubt and soul-searching and contrition, to watch and pray lest they be found to be worshipping Baal unwittingly. He says, examine yourselves whether ye worship Baal. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that unless Jesus Christ in you, ye will be cast away? Testimonies, volume 7, 24, every heart in every household, needs to take up the work of self-examination. Else, some will find, as did Saul, that they are appointed to destruction. Saith the Lord, I will not serve with any selfish devising. Everyone now needs to seek the Lord. God's people will not endure the test unless there is a revival and a reformation. Those who recognise the voice of the true shepherd are preparing for the day of trouble. In godly fear, they are humbling themselves and sighing and crying, Spare thy people, O Lord, and give not thy heritage to reproach. Habakkuk 3.16 When I heard, my belly trembled. My lips quivered at the voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself that I might rest in the day of trouble when he cometh up unto the people. We forget that it is not infidels that he will spew out of his mouth. It is not the atheist to whom he will, he will, he will profess, I never knew you, depart from me, you that work iniquity. But those who think they have no cause to fear because they have had great light and many privileges. Yet we casually come before God to worship him, thinking our respect and our adoration of him offsets our poverty and filth and nakedness. If the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, we have become fools. A rude surprise awaits many of God's professed people. Coming events 
we reveal that our vessels are empty, even while we think they are full. Jeremiah 5.21 Hear now you this, O foolish people, and without understanding, which have eyes and see not, which have ears and hear not. Fear you not me, will you not tremble at my presence? We in fact have gone so far in our worship of Baal that three weeks ago to this very day, the last Sierra University Church held the I am affirmed lavender graduation ceremony to celebrate the LGBT plus SDA class of 2023 to honour, quote, honour lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer students and to acknowledge their acknowledgements and contribution to the university. Psalm 36.1 The transgression of the wicked saith within his heart that there is no fear of God before his eyes. Jeremiah 7, 8 to 10. Behold, ye trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye burn incense unto Baal and walk after other gods whom ye know not and come and stand before me at this house which is called by my name and say, we are delivered or saved to do all these abominations? God will not always bear with those in his church who are worshipping Baal. He is a jealous God and he will spew them out just as he spewed out the Jews before them. Deuteronomy 31, 17 Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day and I will forsake them and I will hide my face from them and they shall be devoured and many evils and troubles shall befall them and I will surely hide my face in that day for all the evils which they shall have wrought in that they are turned unto other gods. While Baal gives those who worship him the assurance of peace and safety, God has told us that he will suddenly arise and slay utterly old and young men, women and little children who claim to worship him. 1 Peter 4.17 For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. Hebrews 10.31 The Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. We read about this judgment in Ezekiel chapters 8 and 9. And it warns us that God has appointed slaughtering angels to slay all those within his church, from the leaders at the top to those at the bottom who are worshipping Baal. Now we know it's those who are worshipping Baal because we never read chapter 8, which is the beginning of the vision. Some worship Baal ignorantly, some secretly, some in their minds, some in their actions. But that Baal is worshipped is proven in the fact that Ezekiel 8, 3, it says in Jerusalem, there is the seat of the image of jealousy, which provokes him to jealousy. And we've read that God is jealous of his people worshipping Baal. In Ezekiel 8, 14, we read in the gate of the Lord's house, the women sit weeping for Tammuz, the other name for Baal. In Ezekiel 8.16 we read that the door of the temple of the Lord between the porch and the altar there are men with their backs towards the temple and their faces towards the east and they worship the sun towards the east and Baal is the sun of God that is worshipped towards the east. And all these things are taking place in his temple. We ought to fear the wrath of an offended God. We have been told that this vision of Ezekiel 9 will be fulfilled to the very letter. 
He will slay without mercy or compassion all those who are not sighing and crying because of the abominations practiced in the church. They will be passed by when the angel goes forth to place a mark on the foreheads of those who fear God. Manuscript volume 5, 204. The destroying angel is soon to go forth again, not to destroy the firstborn only as in Egypt, but to slay utterly old and young, both men and women, and little children who have not the mark. And testimony in volume 5 to 11. Here we see that the church, the Lord's sanctuary, was the first to feel the stroke of the wrath of God. The ancient men, those to whom God had given great light and who had stood as guardians of the spiritual interests of the people, had betrayed their trust. They say, the Lord will not do good, neither will he do evil. He won't punish you. Continuing reading. He is too merciful to visit his people in judgment. Thus, peace and safety is the cry from men who will never again lift up their voice like a trumpet to show God's people their transgressions and the house of Jacob their sins. These dumb dogs that would not bark are the ones who feel the just vengeance of an offended God. Men, maidens and little children perish together. Do you fear of being passed by the sealing angel? Of your name being blotted out from the book of life? Of being appointed to destruction? Do you think these warnings are for others but not yourself? Do you cry peace and safety? Do you say God is too nice, too loving, too merciful to visit his people in judgment? If so, you will discover too late that you have been worshipping an idol God that cannot save in the day of God's wrath. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Yet how many of us have made ourselves fools with our philosophies? We have supplanted fear with assurance, love with indulgence, faith with presumptuous belief, and grace with immunity from God's judgment. How many of us have dispelled the fear of the Lord and embraced Baal? How many of us have divorced ourselves from the living God and made ourselves bastards? Review on Herald, October 8, 1901. Think about this quote carefully. When the Saviour saw in the Jewish people a nation divorced from God, he saw also a professed Christian church united to the world and the papacy. As he stood upon Olivet, weeping upon Jerusalem, till the sun sank behind the western hills, so he is weeping and pleading with sinners in these last moments of time. Soon he will say to the angels who are holding the four winds, let the plagues loose, let darkness destruction and death come upon the transgressors of my law will he be obliged to say to those who have had great light and knowledge as he said to the Jews if thou hast known even thou at least in this thy day the things which belong unto thy peace but now they are hid from thine eyes manuscript release 
page 19, in case that wasn't clear enough. Those who have had opportunities to hear and receive the truth and who have united with the Seventh-day Adventist Church, even if you're born in it, calling themselves the commandment-keeping people of God and yet possess no more vitality and consecration to God than do the nominal churches will receive of the plagues of God just as verily as the churches who oppose the law of God. The living God is a jealous God. He will not be trifled with. He will not overlook the sins of those who worship him. Yet he has no pleasure in their slaughter. He says to his people, Be zealous therefore and repent. In Zephaniah 2, 1-3 he says, Gather yourselves together. Yea, gather together, O nation not desired. Before the degree bring forth, before the day passes the chaff, before the fierce anger of the Lord come upon you, before the day of the Lord's anger come upon you, seek ye the Lord, all ye meek of the earth, which have wrought his judgment. Seek righteousness, seek meekness. It may be ye shall be hid in the day of the Lord's anger. Now is the time while the mercy of him who is not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance while it still lingers to turn to him with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning to weep between the porch and the altar and say spare thy people O Lord and give not thine heritage to reproach to turn away from Baal who is called Christ and to fear him who is long-suffering, but who will in no wise clear the guilty. For the hour of his judgment is come, and although loath to punish, nevertheless he will punish, and that speedily. Deuteronomy 10.12 And now, O Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee, but to fear the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, and to love him, and to serve the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul. And Isaiah 8, 3, Sanctify the Lord of hosts with himself, and let him be your fear, and let him be your dread. How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, fear him. But if Baal, then continue to fear not. <laughs> 